Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sunday, visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Great to be with you this morning. I hope you had a wonderful Easter and a lovely spring break. Uh, If you have kids, your kids are probably sick and you're probably not here. So um, we're praying for you. I think like half the church seems like they're sick right now. But uh, we are continuing on in our series this morning through the book of Matthew, in which we will cover every single verse in the longest gospel account. And today, we pick up in Matthew chapter 14, verse 1. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there with me. As Jesus continues on in his ministry, we hit chapter 14, and we start to encounter a full range of expectations about who Jesus is and what he's up to. And we begin to encounter from chapter 14 forward an increasing tension as we head into the second half of the book. And this morning, that tension is going to result in tragedy. And yet, I'm convinced that God wants to speak something meaningful uh, through it to us this morning. We'll pick up in Matthew chapter 14, verse 1. It says this, At that time, Herod the Tetrarch, or the Jewish ruler who had been installed by the Romans, heard the reports about Jesus and what had been happening in and through him. And he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. And now we're going to get the backstory to that statement that he made. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her as your wife. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, "Uh, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted, and John was beheaded in prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. 
Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Let's pray. Jesus, as we open up the scriptures and get very real glimpses into uh, what life looked like for you day in and day out as you walked among us, I pray that it would speak to us today and that we uh, would find ourselves um, seeing similar patterns of living and brokenness and blessing uh, in our own lives as we follow after you and are filled with your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, today's scripture is a strange and tragic one. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus and a, a dearly loved friend, is imprisoned for preaching against the ruling authority. And then we get this bizarre scene in which it's Herod's birthday and uh, the daughter of Herodias, which is his niece, dances for him and the guests in some sort of uh, sexual or evocative way. And we're told that it uh, pleased Herod and the guests so much that he promised in front of all of them whatever she desired. And as a result of this strange episode, what unfolds is that John the Baptist, who Jesus says is one of the greatest human beings ever to live, and a dear friend of his, is put to death. And his head is brought in on a platter. And the whole scene is nauseating and, and evil. And eventually, John's body is buried, and uh, John's friends go to tell Jesus what has happened. And I can only imagine that Jesus is devastated. Here was his friend and, and his cousin, his uh, co-laborer in the kingdom of God, and he's gone. To make matters worse, Jesus himself is now in imminent danger, and in the midst of mourning, he is forced to uh, flee from the very region that he has been calling home, from his home base of operations, from the community that he has been investing in. And so Jesus is forced to flee, and I imagine that he does so with a heavy heart. This is a, a dark hour in his life and ministry, and he heads for a solitary place of safety and of mourning. If there is such a thing as a throwaway season, I'd imagine it would be this one. If there was a season in which Jesus was going to mourn in solitude and take a break from this uh, active building of God's kingdom, I'd imagine it would be this one. 
Because as you uh, think back through your own life, um, I think most of us can identify these times of darkness where things are so messed up, uh, so uh, frustrating, where, where there's death or evil or your plans get derailed. And, and you just kind of throw up your hands and say, what's the point? Surely, God can't meet me in this season. Surely, He can't meet me in my displacement. Surely, He can't meet me in my mourning. Surely, He's not with me right now. These next few days, these next few months, these next few years, God, I'm basically useless. It's okay. I'll see you on the other side when things get normal again. But what we see in this account is that God ends up using this displacement and evil and tragedy to work incredible good in and through Jesus. And all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, in the midst of his mourning, suddenly there's a crowd. And we're told that he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And as evening approached, the crowds are still there, stuck in this lonely place that was intended for Jesus' mourning, with nothing to eat. And again, God meets them there, and literally multiplies their food into this incredible harvest, and thousands of people again are blessed in and through the person of Jesus, right in the middle of his heartache, and displacement. And as I was reading through the text, I was struck by the fact that Jesus serves out of his own brokenness and his own heartache. And he does so in deeply meaningful ways. That that God is using him powerfully in the midst of what I would have labeled a throwaway season. And I started thinking about times in my life when I was confronted by evil or felt displaced or, or derailed or even useless, and yet God met me in those places and even used me to bless others. And so originally I had planned to share out of my own experiences that I felt were sort of related to this passage, but we have a friend here with us this morning who uh, I believe their story will be even more meaningful in light of the text that we're in. And so um, I'll go ahead and invite up our friends, uh, Kom uh, Nazar, I'm going to mess up the last name, Na- Nazar Barrera. Okay, yes, I got it. Kom, uh, you are, a, this is Kom, everyone. You can say hi. Um, Kom, you are originally from Burundi, and I'd love for you to just share a bit about um, how you ended up being forced to leave Burundi uh, and how you've seen God at work along the way. All right. I'm so excited to be here, you know, today. Um, I just, you know, thank you for the incredible uh, introduction. That was awesome. And... um, Actually, it is uh, it's a big joy, you know, for me to be in front of you all because I feel like, you know, it's um, uh, a kind of reunion 
because there are so many old friends that I met here today. I, it's really amazing, starting from um, Brent. You know, I, I met him uh, the f you know, during the first week when I came here in the U.S. in 2012. And um, his, um, his father-in-law, I celebrated my uh, first Christmas in their house, and I still have those gifts you gave me, so it's, uh, it's really cool. Um, my friend, uh, Andrew, you know, he's my running buddy, and uh, I didn't know he's attending, the, you know, this church, so it's really amazing. So I'm so excited to be here today. Well, um, and also I'm so thankful for the opportunity um, to invite me here and share my testimony. Uh, the Bible says that we overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies, and that's really powerful. Uh, anytime we hear a testimony from someone, uh, this testimony um, encourages, you know, encourages us, and we, we can relate you know, to the story of those people, and we come to believe that God can also do the same thing in our situation. And so today, I'm um, a living, you know, a, a pistol, you know, in front of you. And I'm going to share a little bit about what God has done, you know, during my dark moments. And um, uh, perhaps, you know, you too you are going to be uh, inspired and blessed and um, through what you are going through or through uh, what maybe one of your uh, relatives is going through. So um, I'm praying that God is going to transform you in a mighty way. Um, I love, you know, the story that you just shared, you know, through the scripture because um, we all go through that kind of, you know, story because we, we, we always, you know, get persecuted or we get pushed, uh, we, you know, out from one place and then we go to another place. And I think that started even uh, during our birth, because before we were comfortable for nine months in the womb of our mom, uh, our moms, and then at some point, the same place which was comfortable for us, the same place that was providing, you know, food for us, pushed us out. Can you imagine that? After nine months, you know, the same place, you know, said, no, I don't want you here now. Get out. <laughs> and so um, everybody can relate to that. Uh, I'm going to take you back to where I'm from. I was born and raised in Burundi, a small country which is found in the east um, of Africa. We, we are surrounded by Congo, Rwanda, and Tanzania. And uh, my country is very small. You can just cross in, you know, the country from east to west you know, in four hours drives, like you know, driving from here to Seattle. And we have only 10 million of people. And so in 2012, um, there was a war that was going on, a civil war. Uh, which was between the tribes. We have Hutu and Tutsi. I think you heard about the story of uh, you know, genocide in Rwanda. So um, our story is you know, almost similar. And um, 
2012, the war was the, no, two, I'm sorry, uh, 2005, 2012 is the time I came here. Uh, 2005, there was a civil war that was going on between those two ethnic groups. And um, it was very worse. So many people died. And um, so yeah, other people you know, fled the country. And they became refugees in some other countries. And I'm a one of them. And during that time, the United Nations, you know, they decided to deploy peacekeeping mission to come and help us find peace. And my country uses French as uh, an official language. And those uh, peacekeepers, you know, they, they spoke English. And uh, they need someone to help them communicate with the local community, uh, someone as a translator. And that's how I got a job in the United Nations. I speak five languages, so I'm very smart. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I remember learning English, you know, it was very hard because I didn't have people, you know, to, you know, to practice, you know, with. Uh, I remember, you know, s in the time I didn't know how to read that sign, which is over there. Uh, I used to read that sign as uh, excite, as which is funny. So, <laughs> but now we know how to read it. And so um, I got a job in the United Nations, and uh, it was very nice, you know, to work in the UN because back home to work in the UN is it's a big deal. And uh, after nine months, um, I went back home to my parents' house because during the time I was working, I was staying with uh, the UN peacekeepers in the UN base, so I was protected. Everything was, you know, nice. And then um, when I went on vacation, one day I was coming from running because I'm a runner. And then it was in the evening, uh, it was dark outside. And as I reached you know, the gate of um, our house, uh, I saw some um, young people who were just you know, in front of our house. And I thought that they were just people from our neighborhood who were just you know, hanging out, you know, no problem at all. And when I reached them, they just grabbed me and they told me that I was their enemy. They told me that for me, working the UN was not a good thing for them because UN was trying to destroy them. And during that time, I was kidnapped and I was taken to the jungle where they were staying. I was tortured, I was beaten, I was, yeah, so many horrible things, you know, happened to me during that time. Um, it was a dark moment in my life, and uh, during that time I thought that I was going to be killed because those guys, they don't have mercy, you know, what they do is just, you know, to destroy lives of people, and uh, when I was in that place, I had no hope that I was going to escape and be alive. Um, it was hard. Um, in that place, I was, um, I was put in a very small room without windows, and I could not see the sunlight, and uh, there was no bathroom in that room, so what they did, they just put um, something like um, a bucket there so that I could ease myself, and the place was stinking so bad during that time. Um, I was not given, you know, food to eat. Um, it was really hard for me. Um, 
I spent the place for a week until, you know, the UN peacekeepers, you know, came and they invaded, you know, the place. Uh, and one day in the morning, I, I heard a big noise over the place, uh, something like a thunder, and everything was just, you know, um, destroyed, and everybody ran away, even those, you know, bad guys, they ran away, and um, that's how I managed, you know, to, uh, you know, to run away and get out from that place. I tried to drag myself, and I was so weak, and then um, I was found by the peacekeepers uh, laying on the road, which was, you know, nearby, and um, they, they knew who I was, and uh, I told them the whole story, and then um, they asked me if they could take me back home, and I told them, no, uh, going back home is not safe for me. Uh, please uh, take me to my uncle's house who was living in the north of the country, and that's where they took me. And um, like I said, my country is very small. After a few days, we heard... Uh, our, the our neighbors saying that they saw some uh, unknown people who were trying to come around my uncle's house, and we thought that uh, those people were um, from those bad guys who were tracking, you know, me and trying to see if I was hiding them because they didn't want me uh, to escape and re you know release, you know, their, the secrets, the things that I heard them saying and the plans that I heard them, you know, talking about. And then my family sat down and um, they decided for me to leave the country because um, there, were, there was no any other place for me to hide. Um, and uh, they came up with a plan for me to, uh, to go to Ethiopia, uh, which is in the north of Africa. Um, they told me, you, you better go there so that you can apply for asylum and be a refugee. Uh, that way uh, you can just, you know, um, survive and escape, you know, the danger. And um, that's how I ended up going to Ethiopia, uh, where um, I applied for the asylum and became a refugee and lived in the refugee camp for five years. And um, life was tough. Now, um, I decided to leave my country and then go to an unknown place, you know, a country where I don't speak, you know, their language, um, a place where the culture and everything is totally different from mine. Um, the good thing, there was no people who were running after me to kill me, but now I had to face another challenge. Um, of life because in the refugee camp we didn't have uh, food to eat on a regular basis. If you could just, you know, get one meal per day, that was a miracle for you. Um, and um, we starved all those years, you know. And I still remember uh, people who had kids, those, you know, kids could just, you know, cry in the evening before they go to sleep, you know, looking for food and parents didn't have anything to give them, you know. Um, I remember some parents could just, you know, pretend as if they are um, cooking food and just um, try to 
boil water and just you know and cover it and then uh, trying to trick you know the kids you know uh, make them think that you know oh our parents are just just you know making food so we're gonna have you know dinner soon and until you know the kids just fall asleep and then it's the next day uh, it was a struggle um, that we had to go through um, but you know uh, trying uh, if I try to connect you know those moments with the story that we just you know heard from the scripture um, it is during those tough moments that you know I saw the mighty hand of God in my life it is during those times that um, I grew spiritually and um, it is during those times that I surrendered you know 100% my life to Jesus and said here Lord, um, yeah, I, I am here. So um, it's during those times that I saw that God can make a way where it seems to be no way. It is during those times that I saw that God can use you uh, no matter how um, messed up you are or no matter how broken you are. Uh, it is interesting, you know, um, listening to that story of Jesus, how he left, and then he went to um, a desert place, and then he was able to feed uh, 5,000 people in that moment when it was not expected, you know, uh, uh, for such a thing to happen. Imagine with uh, five loaves of bread and two fishes and he was able to feed 5,000 5, people. It's amazing. And that is what he does in our lives when we're in those moments. When we have that little thing, when everything is collapsed, when everything is just destroyed, and we are left with just a little thing, and we, f we feel like we are done, our life is just over, I'm here to tell you that that is not the end. That's the beginning. And that is what he did in my life. It is interesting in the story to hear how he took that little lunch of that small boy and the Bible says that he took it and blessed it and broke it. He took it, prayed for it, and broke it. That's so interesting, and that is, is similar to our lives. God has taken us. He has created us. He has created us you know, in a mighty way. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He blessed us. He said, um, be fruitful, be multiply, and uh, just have dominion over the earth. But guess what? He allows us to be broken so that we can be multiplied, so that it can be powerful. It's through our brokenness that we get the story that is going to transform the lives of people. I've never seen 
a powerful preacher or a powerful and an anointed you know, person who has never been broken. Show me that person who has never been broken. Show me that preacher or that minister who has never been broken. And I will show you someone who is arrogant and judgmental because they don't know the dark place that those people he's leading are going through. They cannot relate. And that's why God allows us you know, to go through those moments so that we can be multiplied, so that we can use that story to, to encourage and minister to other people. God is good. God is really good. I don't know what you are going through today, but I'm telling you that God is with you. As a matter of fact, he promised that he never leave you, he never forsake you. He's always with you. Do you remember the story of Daniel? When he was thrown in the lion's den. What is interesting is before that to happen, the king was trying to scare him and saying, if you don't bow down in front of, you know, these, you know, idols, you know, I'm going to do this and that. And then he said, I will not do that because my God is going to be with me and he's going to deliver us. But there's one thing that is really amazing. He said, even if he doesn't, we not bow down. So I'm here today to encourage you and tell you that don't lose faith. Don't lose hope for whatever you are praying for because God is always faithful and he will deliver. And even if he doesn't, keep going. God is really good. Some of us, we have been in those moments and you cry out to God. You pray the same prayer once, twice. You come back in the presence of God and you're like, God, I'm coming back again, please. And this is, you know, the same thing I told you yesterday. And it seems as if God is not listening. But I'm here to tell you that he's listening and he's already answered your prayer. In the story that we just heard, it is interesting to hear how um, Jesus, you know, told his disciples, he told him, hey, um, yeah, uh, now we have food, so uh, try to seat those people in a groups of 50 and hundreds, something like that. When I try to meditate on that message, I'm like, wait a minute. For me, when I'm hungry, yeah, I don't wait. You know, I'm like, bring it. I want to eat right now. But Jesus told his, his uh, disciples and said, hey, see them in groups of 50, 100. 
imagine 5,000 people to come them and sit them down. And they started one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, nine, ten, eleven, fifty. Sit down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, fifty. Sit down. One, two, three, sit down. My brothers and sisters, he was teaching them patience. Most of the time, we want this kind of microwave, you know, miracles. We want something to happen right now. But God was teaching them patience. For me, during those six years, God was teaching me patience. I, I prayed and prayed and said, God, please open the door for me to get out of this situation. I'm a young guy. I, I want to live my life and have, you know, uh, fulfilled you know, the, the, the purpose I was created for. During those moments in the refugee camp where everything was dark, it seemed as if God was not listening, but he was teaching me patience. The Bible said that those who wait on the Lord, they renew their strength. They shall run and not get weary. Patience. And God is a God who is, he's, he likes order, you know. He doesn't do things, you know, in a messy, you know, way. So that's why Jesus was in, okay, see them in groups. And then doing that, they have to wait. And imagine those, those people who were counted, you know, at last. They were starving. They were like, please, you know, when is going to be my turn? And I'm here today to encourage you. Maybe there's somebody who is going through a season of waiting. And you are in that desert place where everything seems to be stuck. And you are like, God, when are you going to use me? I'm here to tell you that your turn is coming. Your turn is coming. Don't give up. Your turn is coming, and it's, it's, it's right in, you know, it's right in the corner. I remember when my turn came, during those times when I was in the refugee camp. I remember a friend of mine came and told me, hey, come, um, I saw your name on the list of the people that the United States is going to take. I looked in his face. And I said, I know you are a funny guy and you like, you know, you love to joke, but don't joke about that. Because it sounded, you know, so good to be true. But it was true. And then the next morning I ran to the UNHCR, which is an agency that is helping refugees. And then I saw my name, but I read... I read my name 10 times to make sure that the spelling was right, you know. I was like, you know, some people don't know how to pronounce my names. I'm not going to mention the names, you know. So um, I didn't know how to read my name because it was a miracle for me. My, during that time, my turn was right there. I was like, yes. And I jumped and I was like, yes, thank you, God. You remembered me. You answered my prayer. 
then, yes, during that time, I saw my name, but I didn't travel the next day. I had to go through interviews, medical checkups, you know, and the whole process took another year waiting again. Patience. And I traveled here in 2012, August 29th. I will never forget that day. Um, when I was at the airport, I was crying, tears of joy, but at the same time, my heart was broken when I remembered, you know, my friends that I was leaving the refugee camp who had no help, uh, whose lives were just destroyed with the situation, and they had no hope. But I was praying for them that one day that we get the same miracle I got. All the way flying to U.S., I was crying. At the same time, I was like, God, you are so powerful because I could not believe how God can take you from one place to another place, which is beautiful, in a single day. And everything was totally changed from starving to abundance. It was amazing. And when I got here, I looked back. I looked back. I was like someone who is looking through the rear view mirror, trying to look at what happened before. And looking at you know, the story that we just read in the scripture, the Bible says that Jesus told the disciples you know, to sit you know, the people on the grass. But at the same time, the Bible said that that place was a desert. So where, where did the grass come from? I'm here to tell you that even in your desert, place you are in, God is going to sit you down in the green pastures. And he's going to prepare a table in, the, in front of your enemies and your cup will overflow. That is what I saw when I looked back. I saw the green grass during those moments. He never left me. He provided and protected me. And when I was reflecting to those moments, I could see even how he protected me from some dangers. I'm like, oh my God, you are awesome. Because now I, 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 I can see what could have happened if not. So he's always with us. He's always with you. And now he's been using me to encourage and bless, you know, other people like you. I've never thought that one day I would be standing in front of a church congregation and sharing my story that was out of my imagination but he took 
my mess and my struggles and made something beautiful um, that is blessing other people. And now, what I went through, be- it became my, my ministry. It became part of what I was created to do here on earth. Uh, I remember one day I was, um, when I got here, um, Brent and his wife are the people I first met. And I remember one day we were driving, they were driving me, uh, I think they were driving me from their house to my house because during that time I didn't have a car. And we're just talking and then I remember Brent's wife saying, God is going to use you in a mighty way. He's going to use your story, you know, to inspire people. And, um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. That was five years ago. And uh, I said, yeah. And during that time, I had a passion just to share my story with people. But I could not see how everything was going to unfold. And here I am today in front of them. It's a miracle sharing my story and... um, sharing what God has done in my life during those, you know, struggle moments. So God has multiplied me and has made my life, you know, something beautiful to bless other people, to bless you guys. I'm here to tell you that God is with you no matter what you are going through. Some of you, maybe you have challenges um, in your workplace. Maybe you have challenges um, in your relationship, maybe in your marriage. I don't know. Um, um, Or maybe you lost your loved one. And yeah, we all go through those moments. But I'm here today to tell you that God is going to multiply you through that, you know, that desert moment when everything is dark, when you are hopeless. That is the very place that you're going to meet God and he's going to make you someone powerful and anointed. I don't know if you do remember the time. I don't know, maybe some of you remember, but back home in Africa, we didn't have, you know, digital, you know, cameras, you know, um, back 10 years ago. And they used to use, you know, this, you know, they used to use a film just to take pictures. And then, so (laughs) what they had to do with the film, they had to take it in a dark place, you know, to... um, to develop, you know, the pictures. They have to go through the dark so that you can see the picture of that person. Otherwise, if you don't do that, you, can see, you cannot see anything. Our lives are similar to that, too. We have to go through that at some point. And um, there are times, you know, we were like, no, I don't want to go through that, you know, something like that, but yeah. That's the promise we received even from our Lord Jesus. He said, in this world, you will face tribulation and um, hardship. But the good thing, he said, be 
of a good cheer because I overcame. So in him we are overcomers, we are more than conquerors. That's the good news. Yes. We are, that's the good news. And so, um, yeah, now I'm here. I have been here and spoken for five years. Guys using me um, to touch lives of people and um, I teach French at Northwest Christian. Uh, it's amazing to see me doing that. Um, I'm a student at the same time. I go to Weworth, and um, um, I speak. You know, anytime the opportunity um, comes to me, and um, I've been traveling around, just you know, sharing my story. It's been amazing, and. Um, I just, you know, uh, want to thank everyone here um, uh, for your heart, you know, to welcome, you know, the stranger, um, to welcome, you know, the most vulnerable people. I'm one of them, so uh, you are such a blessing for me. I will not be who I am today without uh, your love and generosity, you know. Um, uh, I feel blessed. And before um, I just, you know, finish, um, your leader, you know, asked me to, to pray for you. And um, I feel like, you know, I want to pray for, um, first, you know, for your ministry because it is um, something amazing that God has started here in this city, in this, in our community. And I'm going to pray for that. And also I'm going to pray for, all of you individually. So I want to ask you to just stand and uh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to do something maybe something maybe which is not usual for you guys, but um, just obey. Just uh, <laughs> just you know, grab the hand uh, of the net, the person next to you. Uh, that is a sign of unity. And the Bible said that um, uh, whenever two or three uh, gather uh, in his name, um, he's in the midst of us. And uh, I truly believe that in this morning, um, God is here. His presence is in the midst of us. And um, we are just, you know, here to pray um, for him to use us in a mighty way. And oh, Father God, I thank you for this opportunity that you have given me to come and share my story to these wonderful people. And um, I thank you for uh, this wonderful work that we have started in this place. Um, I thank you, Father God, for um, the leadership of this church. And I just pray, Father God, for a fresh anointing that just to fall upon everyone, Father God, as um, a mighty river, Father God, um, so that they can be um, the, fresh, the fresh water that is going to quench the thirst uh, of many people who are thirsty of you, oh Father God, in this city and around the world. I just, you know, pray for each and everyone in this church, Father God, to be used by you, oh Father God, wherever they go, um, 
Let the, your light shine upon them, Father God, uh, over the dark places, Father God, in this city, in their families, in their workplaces, oh, Father God. I just pray, Father, for those who are uh, going through dark moments, uh, who are going through a desert, and they're wondering if, if you know, they are going to reach the end of it, oh, Father God. I'm here to uh, tell them that you care about them, oh, Father God. You are with them, and you never leave them. You never forsake them, Father God. Oh, uh, I just pray, Father, that even right now, Father, if there is someone who is sick, someone who is uh, struggling financially, someone who is just depressed, oh, Father God, I pray your peace just to fall upon them, oh, Father God. I pray for them to see your mighty hand, Father God, in their lives, oh, Father. I pray for those sick people to see you, Father God, uh, Jehovah uh, Rapha, Father God, the God who heals, Father. I pray for those who have, um, who have you know, needs, Father God, for them to see you as Jehovah Jireh, Father God, the Father who provides. Lord Jesus, I pray for, for even people who have never known this church, Father God, that you would draw them to this place, Father God. Lord Jesus, thank you for the wonderful work you are doing in our city. And I pray for other churches also in this city. Um, continue to do uh, your mighty work and may your light shine upon us all. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Colm, thank you so much. Uh, let's give a round of applause for Colm just for coming to share with us. We really appreciate that.